Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. In some industries, that long of a career history is amazing and that's a really, really good thing. But you'll have to know for your industry, is that good or is that going to be seen as you're not agile enough? You need to be thinking about that stuff. Hey everyone and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name's Emma. I'm a radio journalist who's teamed up with my sister to give you advice, inspiration and support when you're looking for a new job. Sarah is a HR and recruitment professional and together we're excited to give you all the tips, tricks and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Hey Em and welcome back everyone. Who are we giving a big fat shoot your shot shout out to this week? To Lillian, and quick tidbit, when I was looking for our Shoot Your Shot this week, we have had three people in the past like couple of weeks named Sarah buying <laughs> us coffees, which is wild. There's a lot of Sarahs out there. It's not just me secretly buying us our own coffees. No, that would be nice though. <laughs> but today the shout out goes to Lillian. She bought us five coffees, which is so bloody generous. She says, Emma and Sarah, I owe you my life. I was completely burnt out on my job search, but still desperate to leave my really toxic work environment. I would listen to your podcast all day while I was at the office and it totally helped me shift my mindset and get me feeling more positive and excited about my career change. And then I started getting requests for interviews. I listened to the before interview episode literally three or four times before every interview I had. I went in feeling like a total badass and knowing they'd be lucky to have me join their team. Yeah, they would be. And then I kept my nerves at bay afterward with your after interview episode, which I love because I don't think many people have told us about them listening to the after episode. No, I think she's the first one to kind of call it out. And it's only pretty new as well. So that's great. I'm glad that's helping people. Thanks to all your tips and motivation, I crushed all of my interviews and ended up accepting an offer that literally doubled my salary. When I get that first paycheck, you're getting a ton more coffees because I truly can't thank you enough for your excellent advice and encouragement. Keep up the good work, Queens. Love from the USA. Oh my God. I love so much about that because like, Imagine Lillian could go back in time and tap her old self on the shoulder who was listening to our podcast, who was in a toxic job, who was really burnt out, hated searching for jobs and tell her, hey, psst, you are going to double your salary. Imagine how exciting. And I can't even fathom that. And to think that the thing that had to happen first is that she had to believe 
hey, I can get a better job. There's something better out there for me. Like there's something to be excited about. And that interview that she had and talked about like feeling like they'd be lucky to have me. I bet that came across. I bet they felt your confidence and thinking, wow, we would be lucky to have her. So I love that so much. And the fact that she listened to our after interview as well. If you want results like Lillian, check out Sarah's one-on-one sessions. You can find out all about them at www.that's too many w's.interviewboss.com.au forward slash coaching. And as always, if you want to request an episode specifically on your situation or industry, slide into our DMs. And if you liked something or have used a tip we sent you, hit us up, follow us on Instagram, send us a message and follow us. Yes. On Instagram. Very important. (laughs) Yep. Now, follow us, please. 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 We would like that. Now this episode It's not a listener request necessarily. We've been doing a lot of those, but this is one that I think people need, but they're not asking for, but they need it. Okay, great. So we're going to be talking about job security versus career security. And, you know, what's the difference? Why one can be more important than another at different times? How to have career security. And I wanted to give a special shout out at the beginning, though, first to listeners who have already gotten a job and they're like still sticking around listening to our episodes. Because I think this one, I hope that we like reeled you in with this one in your feed because it's not necessarily specific to hunting for a job right now. This will be relevant to you even if you're in a new job and you've just started. Excellent. So, what is the difference between job security and career security? Well, I'm going to ask you, Em, what do you think when you hear job security, when someone says, oh, I've got really good job security? To me, that means like the company's in a good place, like you have a safe-ish job that's not risky to me. That's sort of what it means. Yeah. And that was kind of what people really aspired to. Like (laughs) the thing that comes to mind for me with job security is government and like, oh, I work for the government. I have really good job security. That feeling of like, I don't have to worry about what happens if the company does X, Y, Z. Like I'm always going to be employed. I think people in healthcare roles would have really good job security, but there's a difference between job security and career security. Job security really relies on the company that you're working for, the organization that you're working for, always needing you in the job that you are currently doing forever. And that you being like, they're always going to need me. Company's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Right. But that relies on the company. You don't have any direct control over that other than like choosing to work there, but you can't influence that really. So what is career security? To me, that means you picked a good field. Your job is an in-demand, like you just sort of said, like healthcare workers, police officers, people that aren't in as niche or volatile careers. Totally. And that's that's got a lot to do with it as well. But I found this really good quote. Career security to me is a bit bigger than that. And I found this really good quote in an article on LinkedIn. And I think this captures it really well. Employment security or career security is confidence in yourself, your reputation and your network that no matter what happens at your current job, you'll easily find a new one of equal or greater value no matter where you go. That feeling of like, I am employable. It doesn't matter if my current company something happens or my job changes, or even if I was to move and it had nothing to do with the company, I have security in my career and my skills that means I'm less at risk of not having something to do. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think 
this is a really important one at the moment because, Em, are you hearing people kind of talking about this kind of stuff more and more? Like, you know, what would happen if I lost my job? Like, I'm hearing a lot of people in radio panic about AI taking over because there's like a few clickbaity headlines where a radio station has hired a AI bot to read the afternoon news and to have its own segment. So career security in that sense, I guess. I've been hearing a lot about that. Yeah. There's also, we did an episode called What's In and What's Out for 2023. And some of those clips we put into videos and they go on our Instagram and our TikTok and all those different channels. And one in particular has been doing pretty well around like going into a recession and having job security and things that we think are going to change in 2023 that I kind of predicted people are going to care a bit more about, is this company stable? When people are talking about recession, interest rates keep rising, the cost of living, all of that kind of stuff. And I don't want to get too specific on what's going on right now in the world because I want this episode to be relevant regardless of when you're listening to it. But I think those conversations are happening more in 2023 than what they were a year ago. Yes, the world is a complicated place to be at the moment. So why can job security give you a false sense of security? (laughs) Yeah. How many times can we say security in one go? Security, 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 security. (laughs) Well, if your company is stable and your job is stable forever, then you never have to network. You never have to improve your skills. You never have to worry about anything. And then what happens if one day something does happen to that company or that job? Even though you thought you were really stable, what if something does happen? The people who are more secure for longer- Get complacent. Are more likely to have not done anything. Yeah, more likely to have not done anything and thought about what, what's going to happen if, because they never wondered if, because it was never going to happen. When I think of someone in like a bit more of a cutthroat industry, like, I don't know, say sales or somewhere where there's budgets and if you don't make it, you cut that. Sort of pushy type thing. And sales ebbs and flows with the economy a little bit more as well. So, like that kind of thing. Someone yeah. like that is probably so, it's always in the back of their mind. And given the nature of their work, they would always be ready for the next thing because they're constantly networking with people and that makes them more likely to just land on their feet than someone, yeah, who's been working the same job for 40 years. And again, if you have that idea, like let's take the government example, right? Because I think that's a really good idea. And like, yes, government roles are very secure in general, but what if there's a change of politics and they merge two departments together? Like, yes, your job is secure and your government's never going away, but there can still be things that catch you off guard that you didn't see coming that you have no control over that come out of nowhere. And if you were the kind of person that thought, oh, well, I'm going to be here forever, you can have not nothing to do after that. You don't even know who you would call to look for another job because you've never had to think about it before. So I think that can be a bit of a flag. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, I doubt that that's you because why are you even here in the first place? How did you come across us? Because you're a great student. Yeah. So don't worry. If you're listening, that's not you. You're not going to be caught off guard like that because you're already here. But I just wanted to flag that sometimes being secure and safe can make you less secure and safe in the long term. Mm, Confusing. I love it. So what should we do to navigate this whole situation? Well, I think the overall message is that you want career security. Even if you have job security, you want that too, but mostly you want career security to be in your control. So first point, which we've already kind of touched on is beware of the safe jobs that leave you stagnant. Now we talked about like, you know, you're just not thinking about other stuff, but what about you were really, really safe in a job, but all the technology that that company used was really ancient, let's say. So you were in like a management role 
for a warehouse, let's say, but your warehouse and you were like, this company is really boring. They sell household products. It's toilet paper or something like that, right? Toilet paper is not going anywhere. Companies aren't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. So you feel really good. But what about that warehouse doesn't use any electronic systems and it's a bit in the past and eh, everything works. We don't really need to be that efficient. That could be a problem for that person because they're not learning the skills of new forklift technology. They're not learning the new warehouse management systems. There's things that are happening out in the rest of the industry. Yeah, industry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That they're not getting exposure to. And if you're there a really long time, that can really put you behind. And then you kind of need to go for a job that's similar and there might not be many that are really similar. Also be mindful about being pushed around within your company and having them create a role for you. Why should we watch out for this? Well, I've seen this happen a lot and there's some really cool things about like the company making a specific job just for you. You know, they add bits and pieces from other roles and it's like this unique role that's never existed before and it's just created around you. That can be really awesome. In my experience, those always suck. (laughs) No, they can be really cool and they can be like, hey, we want you to you know, go into all the different stores and you're, you know, the chief person who runs kind of stock take or something like that. And you just go around doing stock take in all these different stores. And you also do a little bit of X, Y, Z. And it's this role that's based on all the things that you like and your part-time hours or whatever. That can be really cool. But what happens after that is if that role doesn't really exist anywhere else, it's only existed at your company. What are you going to do next? Like, let's say you're in that role for three years and something happens and you want to leave or something happens at the company. Where do you go next? You don't have the full set of skills of any of the roles that yours included. You only did bits and pieces of each of them. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, but I don't want to freak out people that had a job created for them. Like, But that's what we're here to do. I'm not saying you need to quit it. I'm not saying you need to not go into this area. I'm just saying think about it and be aware that, you know, maybe you need to make sure that you have enough elements of your old job that you could still go to that next thing. Does that make sense? I find this happens a lot around kind of head office type roles. There was a role that was, this person's role was to go into each of our retail stores and make sure that they were beautiful enough. (laughs) And I don't mean like the merchandising and all that kind of stuff, because that would be a merchandising role. They weren't a merchandiser, but they kind of were like almost like a handyman project coordinator person who'd be like, oh, we need to redo all these lights. That needs a fresh coat of paint. We need to fix the flooring over here. What is that job? What do you go for next after that? They've created this job for you in this company that's really, really specific, but you're not a handyman because you're not doing the tasks yourself. You've come from a different background, so that's not super relevant anymore. Where do you go next? You just need to be conscious that what that next role would be for you, you have an idea of what that is. Project manager. <laughs> well, maybe, but then then you need to make sure that you're getting exposure to projects and like using some project management software and maybe doing a qualification there so that you actually cement that project manager. That's exactly what I mean though, Em. It doesn't mean you have to say no to the role. It just means I want you to think beyond just the one that's been created for you. Also, think about taking short-term perks early in your career that makes you more niche. So, for example, a HR person taking a pay bump to go into ER, what's ER? The hospital. So, for example, that might be a human resources person, so in my industry, 
early on in your career, you got doing some coordination roles and some admin roles and things, and then you might get a job offer to go into employee relations and you're just dealing with cases and dismissals and investigations and that kind of hard part of HR, I guess, you know, the legal kind of part of things. But if your ultimate goal is to keep getting promoted and you want to be an HR manager one day, specializing so early Yes, you might have gotten a massive pay bump, but that might make it a little bit harder for you to go back and be a generalist as an HR manager. Does that make sense? Like you're, you're kind Getting of, you can become an ER specialist. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes people make those decisions, not because they're thinking about the long-term pathway, but, but just because they're thinking about the short-term stuff. Like, oh, this one's closer to home. Okay, that's cool. But is that closer to home role going to make it easier for you to get another job in the future or not? And I'm not saying don't take it, still take it, but just be conscious of what would be next. How does this role affect my employability in general or my pathway to HR manager? Maybe I need to make sure that I keep doing some generalist things in my job. Also be careful of putting your career in the hands of one company. Yeah. What do you think about that one, Em? How do you think that might affect your career security? Mm, I think that... You sort of have niche skills because even if you have the skills that different businesses use, being at the one company the whole time is a bit narrow-minded and you don't have exposure to how other people do things. And if you've been taught a certain way, that's probably all you're going to know. Yes. And I've seen people who, again, none of these things are saying that this is going to stop you forever and this is a bad thing. I just want you to think about this stuff because I've seen it way too many times where people never, ever, ever stop to think about this until it's too late and something's happened and they're going to struggle. There's only so much I can help you with your resume and your career and whatever when at the time that you need the help. But if you think about this stuff early, you can avoid some of these things. So I've seen people come to me, not necessarily in actual one-on-one consulting, but more so like applying for jobs. And then we've given them feedback and they're like, oh, I'm really struggling. What should I do? And they've had maybe 15 years at the one company. And it makes it hard that all of your examples are going to be in the same industry, in the same group of people for the same context. And you may find that other companies, if something happens there, go, how adaptable are they? How are they going to go in a different environment? It depends. In some industries, that long of a career history is amazing. And that's a really, really good thing. But you'll have to know for your industry, is that good or is that going to be seen as you're not agile enough? You need to be thinking about that stuff. You also want to make sure you don't not think about where you could be employed later. You need to give this some thought. Yes. So, Em, I wanted to ask you this question. So right now, let's say, well, actually, let's give the listeners some context. So you work for a radio station in a city. How many radio stations are there that you could hypothetically work for where you are? Maybe four if I was traveling like quite a distance. Okay. But close in your immediate city, there's two, right? No, two others. Okay. So there's three. Cool. So look, that's not a lot of other options because there might be like three of your job in the whole city, right? Or maybe more because they might have two of them, right? That's a bit of a delicate kind of situation. That's fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But If something happened to your particular company and they laid off everyone and they went online and they went AI or something like that, where could you be employed other than those radio stations? I could be employed at a newspaper place. I could be employed for any really company in their comms department, councils, government departments. But what I want you to do 
And you're right, like you've got an idea of like what would those places be that might employ someone like you in your city without you having to move or do something drastic. But make sure that you're aware of, okay, well, in order to go from what you're doing at the moment into a comms role, let's say, and there might be like, if we're saying there's three people with your job in your city, for comms roles, there might be 50 people with your job in your city, right? A lot more options, which is better in terms of career security. So it's nice to have that up your sleeve to know I could do this or I've got this other option too. So when you're making decisions in your career, it might be helpful, depending on what you're doing, to think about is this skill or is this thing I'm working on or is everything that I'm doing helping me stay employable for that comms role that I might have one day? Or are these things that I'm doing giving me options other than just this one specialized area where things are limited? Does that make sense? And so the stuff that you're doing outside of your day-to-day job with writing articles and this podcast and things like that, those are the things that might end up one day helping you get out of radio if you were forced to or you chose to. But some people don't think about that and they go completely all in on radio and then there's only three jobs in your whole city, what are you going to do? You then haven't diversified your skill set and you don't really have any other options. So you're going to be less competitive than Emma who's been keeping her skills. That's the thing about me. I'm always doing 100 things at once, so I'm safe from being boxed in. (laughs) And that's exactly what I'm getting at, right? Like you have more career security than you do job security because of all those other bits and pieces that you're doing. Definitely. Go me. Now, another good tip is to use the market to price yourself. Find out where you sort of sit. Sometimes you'll be paid over that benchmark, but make sure your lifestyle doesn't get dependent on what you're being overpaid. If, for example, if your if your ballpark figure is sixty thousand dollars for most people with your skill set, but you have landed an amazing job for eighty k and it's just awesome, but then in a year. It goes bust or you have to move on and you need to go back to the 60K range because that's actually just generally what the widespread industry pays. You're going to have a hard time going back to that but lifestyle. all of your expenses are based on 80. Yeah. And look, I think the 60 to 80 is probably a bad example. That's a big jump at that level. Like, you know, $20,000 is a huge percentage at that level. I'm more thinking about senior people. And I've probably seen this inside companies where I've been working as HR with people who do that. You'll often find, and I've often noticed, that they ask for pay rises pretty repeatedly and they do get them and they end up on what ends up being pretty inflated salary. Look, I'm not saying that the work they do is not worth that, but you have to be aware of would someone else pay me to do this or would someone else pay me to do a similar job? And if the answer is no or like, oh, I think so, but I'm not sure. Just look into that and have an idea of, am I really niche at the moment and that's why I'm getting extra money? Or is this company valuing my experience? Or are they really trying to retain me because they don't want to lose me? But actually, if I went somewhere else, I might not get the same thing. Don't just blindly assume that what you're on now is standard and you'll get that anywhere and life's all happy. Hey, Job Hunters, big news. Our all new course, Interview Academy, is live and ready to transform your interview game. It's all the strategies from Sarah's one-on-one coaching, but without the limited time slots. Yep. It takes you step by step by step through crafting your career story, coming up with your awesome best bits and all the practice you need. And guess what? 
It's at a special launch price, never to be seen again. Get more information at interviewboss.com.au forward slash interview dash academy. It's linked in the show notes below. And or if you then want to make a career change, you might have to drop back. And I've seen people, we call it golden handcuffs. And a really good example about this actually in terms of career security is really successful agency recruiters. They work on commission. And if you're really, really good at your job, you earn really big money, like huge money, right? Agency recruiters who are really good at what they do are paid well, right? Now, if they ever want to leave agency recruitment, sure, they can go work at another agency. Easy. They've got heaps of different places they can work. But if they want to leave that industry completely, they're probably going to really, really struggle to get the same amount of money with the skill set that they have if they want a career change. And if their lifestyle has been built around all this money that they're earning, they won't be able to make that career change. So we call them golden handcuffs because they're golden. It's like they're really fancy and nice. They're designer, but they're handcuffing you to the career that you might want to eventually get out of. So beware the golden handcuffs. And hey, like there's nothing wrong with it, but you just have to be aware. Like maybe you take the golden handcuffs, but you keep doing stuff on the side, you know, like there's ways, you you know, you hide the key, right? In the stuff that you're doing on the side, there's ways around it. And I'm not saying don't get into them, but just don't let someone lock you into them without thinking about it first. And as always, use your network and look at your network. If you're wondering where you could go, what you could do, who do you know? What could they offer you? I think networks are important to have at any point in your career. If you've started a job, if you're really happy where you are, like those are the times when people tend to neglect going to events, upskilling themselves, meeting different people, reaching out, all that kind of stuff, or using their LinkedIn, for example. And you're going to want a network when you need it, but at the times that you don't need it, you just forget about it. So I think it's something that you should always be thinking about. Definitely. I recently went to a press conference like a media press conference through work. And it was for like a not-for-profit that I absolutely love work with closely because I'm always running stories on the things they're doing. And I was meeting them and it was so nice to meet them all because I always talk to them over the phone. And I was like, if I ever had to work somewhere else, like I would want to work here. Like I love this place. So that's handy. You want to have people up your sleeve that you at any time in your career that you could say, this person, I could call them. And they may not employ me straight away, but like they like me, they know me, they would try and help me out. You want to have people like that up your sleeve all the time. I actually had a couple of questions about this kind of topic from one of my work colleagues who was kind of talking about, oh, do you ever worry about like what happens if something happened to this company and we lost our jobs? And I said, honestly, no. Like, sure, that would be a massive spanner in the works, but I have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, a plan E, a plan F. So I know that if plan A doesn't work out, I've got other things going on, other backups, other options. For me, that part of that is having a thing on the side, same with Emma. That doesn't have to be that. I'm not saying you need a side hustle, but it can be, hey, I've got this connection. I've got this other thing. I know these people, or I've got a blended skill set so that I could work in this area or this area over here as well. Definitely. Now, in terms of a career change, consider how long it might be until you could get another job in that same area. So it might take you a whole 12 months in that job to cement the change. 
Yes. So an example I've seen a lot of recently, and I've done a few coaching calls for this is like teachers moving to corporate jobs, right? Let's say that you were a classroom teacher in primary school for five or six years, right? Even maybe longer. And you've successfully made a big career change and you've gone into tech working in customer success. I've heard a lot of people are doing that in the US and I've helped a few. If you were only there three months. At the tech place? Yeah. What do you think would happen when you started applying for those jobs again? Let's say the company went under. It's nothing to do with you. It wasn't your fault. They shouldn't have hired you. You're applying for more tech jobs. Maybe they would think you don't have enough tech experience. Yes. You're kind of going to have to be doing the whole career change thing again, because even though you've broken in, it's so fresh still that you're kind of a teacher applying for tech jobs again still. Mm, Yeah. You've had a tiny taste, but you don't know enough to really impress. Yes. And so in that environment, you might need to be there maybe 12 months or longer for that to be your new solid career and for you to have career security in that new job. Like it doesn't happen instantly as soon as you go in and get that job. So the way that I think about this and the reason why I kind of mentioned that is this kind of stuff might not change what you do because you're already in the tech job, right? But it might change how much discretionary effort you put in. All your colleagues around you might be like, oh, this is a cruisy job. It's easy. But you know, it's not about the company. It's not about working hard for them. You're working hard for yourself. To soak up as much as you can. Yeah. And also to be the best customer success person so that if they laid everyone else off, that you might be the one that they kept because you're a bit more risky with your career. You might not fall on your feet as easily as the other people. That's where that stuff comes in where working hard for your employer or doing extra hours or whatever, like can be selfish actually. And it's not about them and it's not about giving anything to them. It's about what you're getting out of it long-term. Also consider qualifications and if you need to upskill at all. Yeah. Again, similar thing to like maybe the warehouse example, like does the industry have other qualifications that you haven't caught up with or you're not across? It might be new technologies. It might be new ways of doing things. It might even be like degrees and things like that. Again, we kind of caution people on running out and doing a a uni degree or something just because you hear an ad on the radio for university. But you might find if you start looking around at other jobs just to check in at how employable you would be, that they're all asking for something that you don't have. So that might be something you can easily take care of. Now, imagine that you were making cuts in your company or team for some perspective. Who would you keep and why? How can you make sure that you are essential to keep? Yeah. So I want you to do this M with one of the businesses that you've worked for previously. And I'm going to do the job that you did in your traineeship in your gap year, because I think the radio is a little bit harder. So imagine you are the business owner and for whatever reason, something's happened. You need to cut three different people from that business. It's not personal. It's got nothing to do with the actual individuals themselves, but you have to cut three people from that whole company. And I know they're quite small, so that might be hard. What would you do? Who would you cut? Mm, and like, it is hard. Don't tell us exactly what, but like, tell me your thinking. What kind of roles are coming to mind for you? Well, not sales immediately comes to mind because they are bringing in the yes. business for the company to stay afloat. Customer facing roles usually get to stay. It wouldn't be any of the actual workers that are in the sheds fabricating stuff because they actually make the silos. Yes. It probably would have been me, the little trainee in the office cut down on admin time. Like potentially. And if there's three, maybe you have to go too, but you're also not worth that much money. So you haven't haven't saved much by not having Emma around. You haven't really saved that much money. So were there managers or was there someone running the show that 
Yeah. Was there a supervisor out on the fabrication area? Again, I'm not like this isn't personal on them, but that's what I'm trying to get you to do. Step into that business owner mindset. It's not personal. Someone's told you they've got a gun to your head. You have to get rid of three people. Who are you going to pick? It's not the people who are actually doing the work, but maybe it's the factory supervisor who looks over all their work. You know, it'd be hard, but they'd have to make do without them. You know what I mean? Because they're not directly, directly contributing. It's really tough. Often management roles are things that get looked at because they're typically paid higher. So they represent an actual saving and you can kind of get a team to keep doing what they're doing without a manager. Again, this is like not nice stuff to talk about, but I want you to think about yourself and your company in this way. Just a little thought experiment while you're listening to this episode. If you were in charge You cannot think personally about anyone or their personal situation. It's not about that. If you had to make cuts, where would you make them and why? And think about it with that business owner mindset. How does this business make money? What would be most important? What can't you get rid of? What can't you live without? And when I've done these thought experiments for the teams that I've been in and I thought, okay, what if they cut this team down to one? Just the bare minimum, they got rid of the whole HR team. They were like, we don't care about HR anymore. What would they still need? Well, they'd still need someone to send out employment contracts and like put people's details into the payroll system. Like there's some basic stuff that you just have to do in order to legally keep paying people. It's like, right, well, who would they keep for that? And what else might they need someone to do? Okay, XYZ stuff they might need someone to do. Right, well, it would probably be me that they would keep and they'd get rid of everyone else because there was a manager above me. You could probably do without them. There's other people beside me, but I had probably the most well-rounded kind of skill set. That's a good place to be. That gives you security that even if the company was struggling and other people were at risk of redundancy, that maybe your role would be the one that was safer. Much to think about. Yeah, this stuff's rough to think about, but When you put that hat on of like, who would you get rid of and why? Like recruitment is often the first to go. If a company's not doing any hiring, well, your recruiters have got to go, don't they? Like there's certain logical things. And if you're a recruiter, okay, how do you make sure that you're doing some of the really important work that would still be needing to be done if recruitment suddenly slowed down? Those are the things I want you to think about. I feel like real, like, I don't want to say the word pencil head roles, but like someone that's like a <laughs> a strategic vision, you know, those like, which are important for long-term, whatever. But if the company's not doing well, we don't need you to long-term plan because we're just trying to get through tomorrow. So the person who sits and just plans and get rid of them. Yeah. And you mentioned sales, Em, in that business. And in some businesses, yes, sales is really important to keep. And like, if you think about like Woolworths, for example, they're not getting rid of people in the actual stores. Like they're going to stay. It's going to be their head office or something that they're going to cut. Frontline people are typically very safe. That's one of the great things about them. Typically, obviously, it's not always a thing. But you might find that the sales team, like let's say it was in the software world, global recession, interest rates are up, companies aren't buying new software. So you don't need as many salespeople because you don't have as many inquiries coming in. So again, but you still do need some salespeople, you can't get rid of your whole sales team. So which one would you be? Would you be the first out or would you be the last out? How do you get your head around? How do I be one of the ones that they go, no, no, we need this person because the clients that they have are really important or whatever. Right. Now also consider you need to have strong interview skills to combat the threat of job insecurity. Yes. And 
Good news. I know, a great resource. Yeah, that's right. This is a really important one. Even if you don't feel like you need this stuff because you're really safe where you are, it's even helpful just to know how you could get better at interviewing because you don't know until you need to know. It's yeah, too late. and I've seen this before where people haven't needed to interview for a very long time and just the sheer amount of time that it's been makes them really nervous because they were good at it ages ago, but it's been a while. Maybe apply for some jobs every now and then. Like, There's nothing wrong with doing that to keep your skills fresh or maybe just, you know. Keep yourself in the loop. Maybe just keep subscribed to this podcast to keep you fresh. Lucky last tip, Sarah, tell us. The overall message that I think you want to keep in mind with all the decisions that you make in your career and all of the jobs you apply for and the decisions you make and the everything is how does this affect my employability in general? And I think if you keep asking yourself that along the way, you're less likely to be caught out. And I have seen person after person after person get caught out with this stuff. That's why we're making this episode because I don't want that to be you guys. Now, of course, disclaimer, as always, if you're in a job that doesn't make too much sense and you know, you've got to make a few moves to get back to where you want to be, don't worry about it. This episode isn't like to induce anxiety that everything has to be the right decision because we are firm believers. You'll get wherever the hell you want to and need to go, even if it's the most nonsensical, illogical path, we will do it because you're interview boss listeners and you're amazing at what you do and we manifest. Yeah. But- Keep this in mind. It's the thing that like you can be in a job where you're going, this isn't really adding to my skill set long term, but it's close to home and it's convenient and I'm in a stage of life where that's important to me now. That's okay. It's just it needs to be conscious so that next time something comes up or something changes and you don't need those things anymore, then you can think about, okay, well, I've taken a hit on my employability because I've been doing X, Y, Z for a while. So my next job to counteract that should be something else. There you have it. Hope that helps. Stay secure in your careers. Go forth and think about your career security. Yep. You guys can be the ones that beat the odds. You don't need to fix the unemployment rates in order for you to have career security. Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, hit that follow button in Apple or Spotify, or better yet, tell someone else about the show. That's how we can hit the charts and help even more people. For more advice, some clips from the show and helpful, savable tidbits, check us out on Instagram at Interview Boss. We've been your job search besties and helped you in some way. There's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming.